sure this message is from the Lord. We have, but you know what? I, I don't never get up here and tell you what I think anyway. You always get the word, right? Yes. Amen. And the truth, the, the, the more truth you know, the freer you can get. Turn in your Bibles, please, to Psalm 102. Well, as you're on your way there, I just want to encourage you that my Bible says, your Bible says, that a thousand years are one day unto the Lord. Just one day. So you live on this earth about two hours. <laughs> and I could be down to my last 10 minutes. <laughs> Which still could be 20 years. You know. <laughs> but the point is, the reason why he taught that was, he said, he said, you're like the grass that grows up in the morning and fades at the end of the day, or the mist that comes out in the morning and totally evaporates. What he was saying was, don't focus your attention here. This is nothing compared to eternity. You've got eternity, and we get so wrapped up in the day-to-day-to-day-to-day-to-day stuff, struggling and trying to get by. God's saying, hey, you just need to look up. Your redemption draws near. This gospel, this good news will be preached into all the earth as a witness unto me, and only then will the ages be climaxed. Only then will the end come, right? So so with Psalm 102, I thought I've taught this a few times before, um, but I needed to hear it again, so chances are, <laughs> chances are you need to hear it again too. Um, Psalm 102 and verse 13 well, how about verse 11? My days are like the shadow that declines. I'm withered like the grass. Verse 12, but you, O Lord, shall endure forever in your remembrance to all generations. Verse 13, mm. you shall arise. That's the day that we're living in right now. You shall arise. And, and it gives you the idea, it's like, when, it's, when you read it in the Hebrew, it gives you the idea that he was asleep, that he wasn't paying attention, that you thought, wow, he doesn't even know what's going on down here. <laughs> but you shall arise as if you've been in, inattentive or inactive. You shall arise and have mercy upon Zion. Now, if you need to know about Zion, mark in your Bible, Hebrews 12 and verse 22. Zion is the church. Is not Israel. It's like when you read Matthew uh, chapter 25, the five wise and the five foolish virgins. It's got nothing to do with you. It's written to the Jews. But we, you know, I mean, we teach it, but it's in error. Just a little side nugget there, too. So can you prove it? Yeah, I can if you got time. But I, I don't have the time right now. Um, for the time, look at this. You, you'll, you'll have mercy on Zion. Hmm. Favor, favor, mercy on Zion for the time of favor. One day of favor is better than a lifetime of labor. <laughs> Get into his favor. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> don't you love him? We're going to get caught up so far in praise and worship, we're not ever going to come back. <laughs> We've got the best praise and worship team on the planet. Man, I mean, it's just like, are you kidding me? 
And every one of them is anointed. And the drummer's anointed. <laughs> yes, amen. You shall arise and have mercy upon Zion for the time of favor. Now, favor, I'll give you the I'll give you the Hebrew word for that. It means it means to bend down. You should write this down. If you're if you're gonna write things down, write this down. To bend down and grant unfair, undeserved partiality. To bend down and grant unfair, undeserved partiality and to promote to prominence. That's Isaiah 60, rise and shine, your light is coming. It's right there, right? So he said, my favor, my time to bend down and grant unfair, undeserved partiality. It's happening in the church right now. I mean, I'm sure some of you are watching the revival that's going on, right? Hallelujah. And that's just, that's just, it's going to sweep the earth. For, for favor, the, look at this, the set time. For the time of favor, yeah, the set time. God never misses his appointments, set time. This set time means to save the best for last. It means you haven't seen nothing yet. Okay, you with me? <laughs> and it's real, really Joel chapter 2, we'll get over there again today. But he said, he said, the set time, the set time, the appointed time, there is an appointment, and he keeps his appointments. Read them in Leviticus chapter 23. The Moeds, the times of the Lord. The set time has come. For his servants take pleasure in their stones and the favor of the dust thereof, so, so that the heathen shall fear the name of the Lord and all of the kings of the earth your glory. What's, what's going to happen? All the heathen, that's goyim, that's the nations. The nations shall fear the name of the Lord and all of the kings, doesn't say some of them, all of the kings of the earth, your glory. God will show off. And again, it, Romans 8, 19, all of creation is waiting for a manifestation of the sons of God. Hallelujah. And, and that's we, us. That's, that's sparks from the flame. That's that's the full, mature, fully mature believer. Amen. Hallelujah. And so when you see people getting swept into the kingdom now, that's the start point. So the heathen shall fear the, the name of the Lord and all of the kings of the earth, your glory, when the Lord shall appear in his glory. The Lord will build up Zion and shall appear in his glory. I like Colossians chapter 3. We're dead, our life is saved with Christ, but when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, will also appear with him in the glory. <laughs> if you've been depressed, you need to get over that today. <laughs> no, but after the Lord has rebuilt Zion, he's going to manifest himself in his splendor. That's what it's all about. <laughs> Every knee shall bow. Every tongue confess. Let's go to... Um, Let's go to Zechariah chapter 10. Are you there? Ask you for the Lord in verse 1. Ask for rain 
when it's raining. Ask for rain in the time of the latter rain, so that the bright clouds will give showers of rain and everyone grass in the field. Clouds, lightning, wind, latter rain coming. There's a storm brewing on the horizon, and it's a storm of the Holy Ghost. You know, I mean, if you've ever looked at a flood, I remember when uh, uh, down the Peggy's Cove when we had the storm surge there a few years ago. It was like all of the buildings were underwater, and you couldn't stop it. Over, over in PEI, go on PEI sometime and look at what happened after the, the hurricane over there. Uh, Cavendish Beach is in the beach anymore. There's not even a grain of sand there. It's just a rock pile. The whole landscape was changed because a flood hit. And it went wherever it wanted to go. You couldn't contain it. And if you think you can, man thinks he can contain God, any wonder he sits in the heavens and laughs. laughs. And they ain't going to take over the world. <laughs> Let's go to Joel chapter 2. We were there before. Let's go there again. Beginning in verse 21. Fear not. He says it clearly in Psalm 23. I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. Say, I fear no evil. I'm not afraid of anything. I'm not afraid. I'm just not afraid, not intimidated by man or beast. Fear not, O land. So what's the opposite of that? Be glad and rejoice. Be glad and rejoice. Come on. Get with the program, people. <laughs> Notify your face, like Shirley said. <laughs> Shirley said, if you're going to be happy, notify your face. <laughs> be glad and rejoice, for the Lord will do minuscule things. Great things. Great things. Be not afraid. He's telling you again. Huh? You beasts of the field, you pastors in the wilderness, don't be afraid. Be glad in verse 23. And there it is again. Be glad, you children of Zion, and rejoice. I mean, I mean, I wonder how many times he has to tell us this. Obviously, a lot of times. Because mostly, it's been my experience during praise and worship lots of times, and in churches over the years, it's not about praising the Lord, it's about raising the dead. Everybody comes in dragging in the door. Survived another week, glory to God. Come on, Ashton, get this thing going. <laughs> Make me happy. <laughs> no, but see, if you get a hold of the fact that worship is a lifestyle, if you get a hold of the fact that you do it every day, you're just thankful and grateful every day. When you come in here, it's so easy. There's no struggle to it. Be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the form of rain moderately. Now, I gave you this, that word last week. It's Moray Zedekiah, and I told you it was the king of righteousness, but it's not. It's the teacher of righteousness. Zedekiah is where we get seed canoe. It's the righteousness. And so the righteous teacher is Jesus. He was the former rain. He was the early rain. That's why when you get to Pentecost, 
and, and it's the first fruits, Peter stood up and said that it was this is that spoken by the prophet Joel, but that was the beginning of it too, because it's the first fruits. We're in the end of the day. We're in the day where the early and the latter rain are gonna come all at once. Do you want to get wet or You know, but I mean, if you want to get wet, you can get wet. If you want to sit in the bleachers and watch the game, you can do that. But I encourage you, get in the field. You might wake up at 1.30 in the morning and not be able to go back to bed again, but whenever you're doing something for God, the enemy will oppose you, and it's really encouraging. <laughs> he said, I will give you the more Zedekiah form moderately. I'll give you the, or faithfully is moderately, and he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain and the latter rain all at once. All at once. <laughs> and your floors will be full of wheat, and vats will overflow with wine and oil, and I will restore, again, restore to be safe in mind, body, estate, to be complete, to be finished and furnished with everything good, to prosper, to have recompense and reward, to be better than ever, restore. <laughs> that one word will tell you a lot if you read it. Then he talks about all the worms that came against you, digging holes in your life. Matter of fact, worry is the word war again, where we get the word worm. It's something that's trying to worm its way into your thought life. Trying to get you, it's amazing. He wants to get you away from who you are in Christ. He's going to tell you every bad thing you've ever done. He's going to tell you every failure that you ever had. He's Goliath coming out every morning and shooting off his face and shooting his off his face at night. Blah, blah, blah. And the thing is, don't agree with him. Don't ever agree with him when he's assassinating your character. I'm completing him who's the head of all principality and power. I might not get it all right, hallelujah, but God may be right. Amen. <laughs> Come on, it's so right. Yeah. Verse uh, 26, and you will have plenty and be satisfied. Now, the word there is a glut. And I thought about glutton, but also thought about the first time I heard the word glut. We were, uh, we were fishing uh, up, on, up near Stanley, the, the, not the sardines, the smelts. The smelts were coming up. They were so good back then, Jordy. Like, you could go in there with a net, and you'd see this cloud come out of the river. You could fill a garbage bag in 20 minutes. I don't know. They probably have, you know, you govern on that now. And I heard a guy say, that's a glut of fish. And I thought, well, you know, and the cool thing about it is I can eat them like candy. Dip them in a little bit of flour, fry them up in butter, and snorkel them down, right? <laughs> Nancy doesn't like them, so I'm totally blessed. But when he says, you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied, he's not talking about hog wild on food or anything like that. He's saying, you're not going to lack anything. You're going to be fully blessed, fully satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God, for he has done wondrously with you. Way beyond your power, wondrously with you. Pala, P 
P-A-L-A, wondrously, way beyond your power. And my people shall never be ashamed. Remember Job? Job went through all that trouble, but God gave him twice as much. Twice as much. Say, I'm getting twice as much. I'm getting double from the trouble. Amen. (laughs) Never be ashamed. Don't ever accept shame at any time. Shame came with Adam. When he rebelled against God, he went and hid because he was ashamed. He didn't have to hide. All he had to do was repent. And you shall know that I'm in the midst of Israel and that I'm the Lord your God and no one else and my people will never be. There he's telling you again. He's trying to encourage you. I know at the hospital now, I've been, you know, involved there for a couple of years <laughs> trying to get away. But anyway, they've got to follow me about this thick and that the doctor pulled out the last time I was over there. And I said, yeah, my God has a file this thick. <laughs> so you do your best, but God will do the rest. Yeah. Never be ashamed. Say, never be ashamed. For shame, double. For confusion, we rejoice in our portion. In the Lamb, we possess a double. And everlasting joy is upon us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You'll know that I'm in the midst of you, and I'm I'm the Lord your God, and there's no one else. My people will never be ashamed, and it shall come to pass. After, After he restores everything to the church, after he restores all this, after, it'll come to pass after this, after you're in the place that you need to be. It'll come to pass after this. Does your Bible say after this? Okay, good. I'll pour my spirit out upon all flesh. The flood is coming, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. And again, when you go back into Acts chapter 2, you know, 5,000 people got saved, 3,000 at once, and another couple thousand later. Revival just broke loose, and they didn't even have a Bible. They they, They were living the Bible. They didn't even have one. The experience of God was so fresh in them that they just went everywhere. Matter of fact, when you read the early church fathers, I was reading one here a while back, and the guy said, uh, he said, that church over there, he said, they don't even believe in raising the dead. No, this was like in 150 or 200 AD. They were talking, they were still talking like that. Of course you heal the sick, raise the dead if necessary. So, you know, so if we think we've arrived somewhere, the chances are we have a ways to go yet. But again, I'll pour my, I will pour my spirit out upon all flesh. Your sons, your daughters will prophesy. Your old men dream dreams and young men will have visions. So men and women, young and old, every walk of life, your handmaidens and your servants, I'll show wonders in the heavens above and in the earth beneath blood, fire, pillars of smoke, the sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day. And I like Malachi 4 or 5 says, it's great when you know God and terrible if you don't. The great and terrible day of the Lord. James 5, 7 will talk about it as well. And it'll come to pass, verse 32. It will come to pass and it shall come to pass 
and it shall come to pass. This is going to happen. Everything else in this book happened. This is going to happen. This is going to happen in your neighborhood. This is going to happen at your workplace. This is going to happen all over this nation and all over the globe. It shall come to pass. It's coming to pass. It's not all doom and gloom and get ready for the rapture. You're not going anywhere yet. Unpack your bags. It shall come to pass. God needs you here. And you were saved for this last hour. Born into the kingdom for such a time as this. And it shall come to pass that whoever, whosoever, come on, whoever, will just call upon the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall deliverance come. For the Lord has said that to the remnant that the Lord shall call. That would be you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. Um, maybe uh, Acts chapter 7. Now, in Acts chapter 7 is, in my estimation, the best sermon that was ever preached. And I think it's about 50 some odd verses. They, th they came after Stephen, and he was being falsely accused. And he starts in verse 1, or verse 2. Men and brethren, fathers hearkened, the God of glory appeared unto Abraham while he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Haran. And then he goes on. We're not going to go through all this, but read through it sometime. If you want to understand the Old Testament, he explains the whole thing in just a few verses. Powerful. But I want to focus in on verse 17. But when the time of the promise drew near, which God had sworn unto Abraham, the people grew and multiplied in Egypt. Then another king arose, which didn't know Joseph, and he dealt subtly with them and evilly entreated their fathers, and they, and, and, uh, they began to um, kill their babies. Sixty million of them in the United States. 60 million aborted babies in the United States. And then you pray, oh, God, bless the nation. Like, you, you, thank God they're repenting now, but we need to do it in Canada as well. And if you've had an abortion, now, please don't, please don't take this as a judgment. You did what you thought was right, and you did what, what they, they taught you to do. So there's no, no, no guilt in this at all. If you did it, get over it. You can't live in the past. You got to live. You got to move ahead. So, so if that was you, just this is not a, a message against what you did. It's a message against what the government allowed, what the government promoted. Verse twenty. At that time, Moses was born. He's a good-looking guy. That's not why they kept him alive. <laughs> Just kill the ugly ones. <laughs> but they are going to put him in the Nile with the, with the alligators. So, Matter of fact, Moshe means that his name means to be drawn from the water. And so it says, at that time Moses was born, he was exceeding fair and nourished up at his father's house three months. And when he was cast out, 
Pharaoh's daughter took him up and nursed him as her own son. Now, we'll read through that as we go uh, forward toward Passover. But the coolest thing about that I enjoyed about that was that Miriam, yeah, he was putting the water in an ark, but Miriam guided that ark. Matter of fact, when you read it in the Hebrew, she guided it right into Pharaoh's daughter's place. And then she came forward and said, you're going to need somebody to raise this child and brought her, brought Moses' mother to raise the child. So, but think about that because what you need to know is, I don't know where your kids are today, but the devil had to educate them. What do you mean by that? The devil had to pay for Moses' education. And one day it all came together, just like your kids will. When he was cast out, Pharaoh's daughter took him and nursed him as his own, her own son. Um, verse 22 is interesting. Moses was learned, learned uh, the wisdom of the Egyptians and mighty in words and deeds. This is the same guy that said, don't say me, I can't speak. But in my Bible says here, over in Exodus 4.10, he said, I can't do this. But, but, but here's the other thing. When you, when you live relying on your own confidence to do things, it doesn't work. When you totally depend, he had to go for 40 years in the wilderness till he lost all of the, 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 the hot shot stuff that he had so that God could use him. He had the fire on the inside. It eventually manifested in a bush. Just like in, just like in Saul in, in Acts chapter 9, the fire was in him. But it wasn't until the fire knocked him off his donkey that he was like, hey, you know what? That fire... That fire in there is being manifest out there so that you can see it and be reminded. You got the fire of God in you. Mighty in words of these, when he was 40 years old, it came into his heart. So how did it come into his heart? God spoke to him to visit the brethren of Israel. And seeing the one, one of them being wronged, he defended him and avenged him that oppressed the and smote the Egyptian. For he supposed that his brethren would have understood how that God by his hand would deliver them, but they didn't understand. It's going to take 40 somewhat more years before they can figure it out. Like you might, you might be in your, in your family, and God sent you there to deliver your family, and they haven't figured you out yet. But when this, but when this move of the Spirit of God comes... They'll be coming to your house. I was, you know, the last time we were in a move of the Spirit of God at all that was really powerful was when we were living in Fall River and we started having a Bible study in our homes on Saturday night. And we would have 40 or 50 people in there on a Saturday night. Like you couldn't, you can't make that happen. It was just the hunger and the thirst. And, it was, and, that, that, and that was the end of the what we would call the charismatic rain, I guess. But now the, this rain is the early and the, radar, the latter rain, and everything happening, the Word and the Spirit all happening at once. And they'll be coming there. You'll be saying, go away, I need to get some sleep. I'm serious. You think I'm kidding. No, God starts using you in healing ministry, and you won't be left alone at all. And so he supposed his brethren would have understood, but they didn't understand. The next day, 
he showed himself to them and they strove. And, and he set them at one again and said, Sirs, brethren, why are you fighting one another? Why are you fighting? No, but you can, you can weave the church into all of this. But he that did his neighbor wrong thrust him away, saying, who made, you the, who made you the ruler and judge over all? Who made you the pastor of the church? Will you, kill, will you kill me just like you did the Egyptian yesterday? So then Moses fled at the saying, and was a stranger in the land of Midian where he begot two sons. Now, you know, he got to the place where he was not eloquent in speak, speech anymore. He had, he, had to, he had to learn not to depend on himself anymore. He had to become useful to God by by surrendering himself. I said he became useful to God when he said, I humble myself before your mighty hand, that you'd exalt me in due time. I cast all of my care upon you, knowing that you care for me. I'll be sober and vigilant. My adversary, the devil, is roaring lion, goes about seeking whom he may devour, but I resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that these same afflictions are being worked out in everyone else at New Covenant Ministries Church. But the God of all grace, who has called us unto His eternal glory by Christ Jesus after we have suffered a while, make us perfect, strengthen, establish, and settle us. Make us perfect, strengthen, establish, and settle us. Now that's the word of God, truth too. You, you gotta, you gotta finish it through, follow it through to its conclusion. Don't stop it. In the world, you have tribulation. No, be of good cheer. Well, I just been tribulated. I know. When he was, when forty years had expired, there appeared unto him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai the angel of the Lord in a flame of fire in a bush. When Moses saw it, he wandered at the sight and drew near to behold it. The voice of the Lord came to him saying, I'm the Lord your God. I, I, I can use you now because you don't even know how to talk anymore. You've been doing nothing but talking to sheep. <laughs> Moses trembled. Then said the Lord unto him, put your shoes off your feet. For you're on holy ground. And I have seen, look at this verse, verse 34. And circle these words, I have seen the affliction of my people. He knows your address. He knows what you've been going through. Other people not, might not understand. Uh, uh, no one else knows your backstory. No one knows the pain and the agony that you had to go through just to get to this place. And so they may judge how you act, but God won't. God knows your backstory. He knows exactly everything that, that you've been through to get you to this place. That's why you need to be so encouraged. Don't ever, ever, don't ever, please don't ever put yourself down. Don't ever put down God's creation. He created you, and he doesn't create any junk. Amen. Did bad things happen to you? Yeah. Will they continue to happen? Yeah. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world for you. I've seen the affliction of my people in Egypt, and I heard, I've heard their groaning. And I have come down to deliver them. 
I will send you into Egypt. Verse 36 says, He brought them out. After that, he showed signs and wonders in the after he showed the signs and wonders in the lands of nation in Egypt and in the Red Sea, he brought them out. We're going to close this off in Deuteronomy 6 and verse 23. Deuteronomy 6. It's the year 23 as well, so this works really well. Are you there? Deuteronomy 6.23. He brought you out so that he might bring you in. What I mean is he didn't get you out of the mess you were in without bringing you in. So you, you moved out of that mess, but now you're in another mess. He said, I didn't take you out of that mess and leave you there. I took you out to take you in. Well, how's it going to happen? After you've suffered a while, I will strengthen, I will establish, I'll make you perfect. I'll strengthen, establish, and settle you. And the struggle that, the struggle that you deal with is you, you just have to die. <laughs> no, you just have to die. You overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, and they love not their lives unto the death. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, and they love not their lives unto death. They realized that that two hours that you're here is nothing compared to all of eternity, and so they spent all their time. And I think that was a big thing in the early church. They, they went from house to house daily, yeah. breaking bread and having communion. And again, you can't orchestrate that. Well, we're going to have a meeting here tonight. We're going to have another meeting tomorrow. No, but you can expect it. Expect God to move. Expect that passion. I know the last time Justin taught, he expressed those same things, that the hunger and how they're spending time now teaching their children the Word of God. That was wholesale. That wasn't a rare thing back in my day. In my day. I'm not that far back. Give me up. Praise the Lord. Back in my day. This is my day. This is the day the Lord has made. I'm rejoicing. He said, let the weak say I am strong. Let the poor say I am rich. He said, I'll renew your youth like the eagle. So don't be fooled by what you see. There's an eagle rising up. <laughs> we hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.